0: Well, good to have all of you guys here this morning. Uh, Before we dig into the passage of Scripture, uh, my name is Josh. I'm the preaching pastor here. We're so thankful that you've joined us uh, for worship to our great King Jesus this morning. We're in Hebrews 2, 1 through 4, and as we approach the passage, I just want to say as a commercial before we dig in, uh, this is a warning passage. Okay, So in Hebrews, there's going to be three or four of these throughout the letter, a warning to the reader. And I want to just explain that a little bit, because there's a lot of potential controversy as you listen. Um, Warning passages, especially in Hebrews, um, for those of you who know Jesus, you, you can't lose your salvation, okay? Once you're saved, God will keep you to the end, amen? Like if Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he did that not to lose you, okay? So... Um, For a believer, you're going to read the warning passages, and they are going to make you feel uncomfortable. Okay, there's a sense of uncomfort that you're going to feel. That is not a bad thing as a Christian. It is good to be shaken a little bit, to be be looking at the foundations of your faith, to, to see if you're in the love of God. I mean, it's a good thing for you to evaluate where you're at with Jesus this morning. For those of you um, who don't know Christ and you're here, uh, a warning passage is meant to do one thing. It's meant to kind of punch you in the face, to get you to understand and open your eyes to salvation. And so the warning passage for the unbeliever is actually meant to wake you up. So um, if you're here and you're an unbeliever, this is a really good passage for you to come into uh, to get kind of pushed a little bit to get punched in the mouth spiritually so that you can kind of evaluate where you're at uh, with Jesus. So, commercial done. Let's pray and ask for God's help to um, help us understand the Scriptures, and then we'll dig in. Father, Lord, we've had multiple prayers this morning. All of them have been beautiful and worshipful. But God, we're here now in need of your help, so that's why we're praying. We're praying because we need you, God. God to illuminate our minds, to open our eyes to truth. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be welcome here to convict us of our sins, to get us to confess sins so that we don't drift away from Jesus. Lord, do a sustaining work in the lives of believers this morning. Buoy up believers in a fresh way, energize them, encourage them. And Lord, be with those who don't know Christ. We pray that you would open up their eyes for the very first time this morning. We pray that you would open up their hearts to what they're hearing. And may the good news, the gospel of Jesus, be the center point of our gathering this morning. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So just the other day I was getting my oil changed, Monday at the Valvoline Quick Oil Change on 14th Street. And I ran into a guy who was servicing my car. His name was Kevin. We had a great conversation. And, of course, I turned the conversation to spiritual things, because that's what an evangelistic pastor does. Amen? So I started talking to him about Jesus, and, how, hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And, and he's, he's like, ah, I grew up Roman Catholic. I'm like, well, do you practice now? And he's like, well, No course not. I said, well, did you grow up church? He's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. My grandma, really devout to this day. She is devout. She's at mass all the time, Um, never misses, reads the Bible every day. Very solid. My parents, pretty committed to Roman Catholic faith, and, and we really, you know, I grew up with that, so my parents are solid. He's like, but, you know, he's like, I'm 28. Most of my buddies and I He said, you know, when I get together at the bars, we're all Roman Catholics at the bars, and we're all talking about how we really don't need Christianity anymore. We don't really need Jesus. There's not really a strong sense like there is in the past generations that I actually need Jesus. He's like, and then he looks at me, he's like, but I believe in everything. I'm like, you're talking to the wrong guy, man. (laughs) So I, I definitely encouraged him to reconsider his position, share Jesus with him, and uh, just shared the gospel. And the last thing I said to him was like, hey, it's not really about church. It's not really about being Roman Catholic or, or being another denomination. It's really all about Jesus and what you do with him. And he looked at me and he's like, I like that. I like that. And I'm like, well, do you like it enough to come to a 10 a.m. service Sunday? he's like, I don't know about that. Okay, maybe not that much. But as I drove away with Tabitha in the car, I had this thought. What a phenomenal illustration of our culture as a whole. What a beautiful parallel for us to consider our culture as a whole. Our culture is filled with grandmas who are very devout, never missing a service, parents who are 30 to 60 years old, who are pretty solid, and then a whole younger generation that are like, I don't know, I don't even know if it's really worth it. Our culture is becoming more secular, more humanistic, more therapeutic, more dependent on medicine, more hungry for entertainment, thank you Disney+, Plus. More ungrateful in attitudes, and all parents say, amen. Our culture is in a spiritual drift. So what do we do? Living Waters, what do we do? What do we do about that? Do we run away from Jesus? That's an option, we just run away. Do we... You know, give in and compromise and be like, okay, world, you're right. We're wrong. So sorry. Do we just drift along with the world? What do we do? Well, the author of Hebrews gives us the answer this morning. The author of Hebrews says, emphatically, no, don't drift. Don't drift with the world. Don't drift in your faith. Don't run away from Jesus. Rather, pay attention to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Get a big bear hug around Jesus and don't let Him go. Amen? We are called this morning by the author of Hebrews to pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Hebrews chapter 1 is filled with with illustrations that Jesus is better. He's greater. He's supreme. He's above all angels. As much as we like angels, Jesus is better. He is the God-man. He is the glorious Son of God. And we are to pay attention to Him. So that's what Hebrews 2, 1-4 is all about. And as we look at paying attention to Jesus this morning, we're going to see three realizations, okay? Three realizations from the text that will hopefully apply to our lives and our hearts this morning. Realization number one, when we pay attention to Jesus, we realize that we need to hold on tight. We need to hold on tight. You can see this in verse one, in the first part of verse one, therefore... Because of chapter one, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. The word there in the Greek means to bring a ship to land and and to tie it up. Okay, so this is a, a really nautical passage. Okay, if you're into like boats and water, if that's kind of your jam. Okay, This passage is totally speaking to you because all the Greek words here are nautical language. So it's it's the idea of a boat coming into the harbor and coming to the dock. and, And when you come in to dock a boat, you have to get that thing connected right to the dock in whatever form that looks like. So some of you have done kayaks and canoes. How many of you have done those before? Kayaks and canoes? Okay. Some of you have done, like, ski boats or whatever. So my father-in-law owns a ski boat, so we grew up, when I was dating Danielle and trying to impress Danielle and and try to make this relationship happen, I I did really crazy things on a ski boat, and my father-in-law tried to kill me multiple times, all right, but I survived. I'm still here, and I'm married to Danielle, so it worked out. So the idea though is that when, when the boat was coming in and Bill was driving, I would get to the front of the boat and I had one job reach out to the dock and stop, give the boat like a firm foundation, right? Tie it on, tie the rope onto the, the side of the dock, and we'd be safe. So it wasn't like laissez faire. It wasn't like Bill's like, Josh, get to the front. Okay, if I want to. You know, I never responded that way. You know, I, I might stick my pinky out to, like, stop the boat. No, no, I was up. You guys know this. I was up. I was intense. I was like, man, if I don't do this, the boat's going to wreck. Something terrible's going to happen. I got to get out there. And as soon as I grabbed onto that pole on the dock, we were safe. But then I had to use my muscles to hang on, right? I had to hang on. And, and then once, once we got the rope around, it was good. That's the idea of this word. The idea of this word is that we are to tie up our soul to Jesus. If if Jesus is the greatest, if he's the best, if he's the supreme one in Hebrews 1, then we must pay close attention to him. We must tie our lives up to Jesus and not let go. Can I get a witness? Now, angels are cool. all right. Angels are filling chapter 1 up. Angels are awesome. We've seen uh, TV shows. Touched by an angel. All right? Somebody's guilty pleasure in here? Probably. Touched by an angel. Uh, there was a great angel movie made called Angels in the Outfield. Yes. Yes. Um, when, when our kids do something really good, or when we have a friend that do, does something for us that's really meaningful, we say, oh, you are such an angel, right? Such an angel. Um, Some funerals I've attended, people have had really bad theology at funerals before, and at some funerals people have said, and now I know that blank, whoever that person is, is an angel. And I'm like, no, that's really bad theology. But, um, But here's the deal. As much as we love angels, we don't turn into angels, we turn into glorified souls, which is awesome, better. But as much as we love angels, Jesus is better. And church, we must hold on to him this morning. Amen? We must hold on tight to Jesus. And that's one of the realizations that we come to when we see Jesus in his exalted position. We must hold tight to Christ. How tight? Really tight. Because you're going to get walloped in this life with trials and tribulation of various kinds. And when the diagnosis of cancer comes your way, you have to hold on to Jesus, amen? And when you lose your job, you have to hold on to Jesus. And when you're trusting God to provide $400,000 in the next two months, I don't know who would ever be dumb enough to do that. Oh wait, it's me. It's us. We must hold on to Jesus. Amen? That's realization number one. We have to hold on tight. Second realization in this passage, when we pay attention to Jesus, we realize that we don't want to drift. We don't want to drift. Okay? Second half of verse one, it says, we have to hold on to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. Okay? So because Jesus is glorious and he's awesome, we need to hold on to him and we need to be careful not to drift away. The word drift means to glide away or slip away like a ring on a finger. All right? And just, just to, before I get to the next nuance of this um, meaning of the word, uh, this has happened to me before. How many of you have, men have lost your, uh, your wedding rings? Yeah, be honest. Like 99% of you have. Uh, so I'm I'm on my fourth wedding ring, but praise God I'm still my first wife. Hallelujah! Come <laughs> on now, but I remember when I had the original wedding ring and we were wave surfing in the Atlantic Ocean, and I'm coming, I'm cresting on this on this wave, and I start to feel my ring just kind of wiggle right off there, and I'm like, Oh no, oh no! I didn't say that because I'm in water, you know, but but I'm like, Ah! And I and I crash into the sand. It felt like a thousand miles an hour. I'm sure it was not quite that fast, but I could feel my ring coming off, and then boom, I mean I face plant it into the sand, and ring is gone into said sand, and I get up and I'm doing the man thing, looking around. Did anybody see that? And I'm looking for my wife. Where is she at? Where is she at? Did she see this? Okay. For the next hour and a half, my friends, I tell my friends, hey, my wife can't know about this. I just lost my wedding ring. Can you help me look? In the tide of the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) It's not going to work well. Long story short, I didn't find it. I had to go back up to my wife and say, I lost the wedding ring that you spent money on, to which she just kind of has done what she's done for 15 years and just shook her head. Okay, so that's the nuance of that word, right? Uh, but, but here's the other nuance of the word. It's like a boat drifting past the harbor and past the dock, okay? And so if you've ever just glided on a boat, you know, you know what it's like. it's like. It's like easy, and it's peaceful, right? And so if I get into this, uh, this little kayak right here, all right, and we've done lots of wilderness trips, as a men's group in our church and we we get in kayaks and canoes and we're like doing this we're paddling and sometimes you got to paddle against really hard wind but sometimes you glide right is there a better feeling in the world when you're gliding you're just gliding okay and sometimes if you're really tired you let your your canoe partner paddle and you just you just pull up your paddle and you just look up into the sky like this you're like man i'm thankful that my partner's doing all the work this is great But as you're sitting in the kayak, you're gliding, and everything you're thinking is, this is beautiful, this is easy, this is great. It's quiet and easy, okay? That's the meaning of the word here. We have to be careful to hold on to Christ and not drift. Not go quick and easy, spiritually, down this road where we miss the harbor And we miss the dock of salvation where Jesus is. Does that make sense? We can't miss it. And that's the warning of the author of Hebrews. He's saying, don't glide past Jesus. Hold on to him. Don't glide past. Now look, we who know Jesus, we know deep down that the Spirit of God is inside of us and that we will persevere to the end because we are God's children. But we also know this, that there is a part of our fleshly heart that wants to glide and drift away. Can I get a witness? There's a part of every human that wants to just glide. And say, Jesus, I'm tired of all the noise and the hard work and all the effort. And I'm just tired of all of the the crazy activity that it takes to be a Christ follower. You've been there before. Where you're like, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if the trial is worth it. That is the desire of the flesh to drift. And if you're a non-Christian, you're just drifting. Some of you are church members or you're, you're, a, you're a confessing Christian, but deep down you know you're not a real believer. Because you're drifting and you don't care. You're missing the dock. And so this is the warning, the realization uh, of of this passage is that we don't want to drift. We don't want to drift. So listen, church, I just want to exhort you real quick. You don't drift into truth. You drift away from truth. Okay, does that make sense? If you walk in the flesh, you will drift not into truth, you will drift away from truth. Right? So my exhortation to you as believers is don't drift. Don't drift from your Bible reading. Look, it's January 26th. You remember that that New Year's resolution you made 25 days ago about reading your Bible every day? Come on now. You're 25 days into that thing and you want to drift. Be honest. You want to drift. Don't drift. Stay in the Word. Stay close. Do the hard thing. Some of you want to drift from prayer. You're just like, I've been praying about this thing for a long time and I'm just ready to kind of put my head up in the sky and just stop paddling. Don't drift on prayer. Don't drift into theological la-la land. Whatever weird theologies you're starting to grab a hold of, don't drift there. Don't drift away from church. "Ah, Church, it's good, but it's not that good. Don't drift away from church. Don't drift away from your community that loves you and cares for you and wants you to be a Christ follower. Don't drift away into worshiping your own desires. Some of you this morning are drifting. Some of you are drifting. Or you're starting to. And this is a wake-up call from the author of Hebrews, from God to you. To stop drifting don't get casual with jesus and that's the second realization is that we don't want to drift third realization of this passage is when we pay attention to jesus we realize that we will begin to see the reality of things we'll begin to see realities for what they are okay the author of hebrews says it in verse two for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retri- retribution How shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation? So let's start with this. Let's start with the Old Testament. The author of Hebrews says that we shouldn't drift. And then he uses an illustration or an example in verse 2 to say, Look, in the Old Testament, the message of the Old Covenant was declared by angels. Well, what does that mean? That's a connection to Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 2. Where the angels with God are delivering the law of God to Moses on Mount Sinai. How cool of an experience is that for Moses? Angels are delivering the law of God. That's awesome. And so Moses receives the law of God, and he received it through angels, and he brings it down from the mountain to the nation of Israel, and he says, don't disobey this. And all of God's people are like, we won't, we swear we won't disobey. What's the next thing they did? Disobey, just like us. And so, the Old Covenant came with repercussions. It came with um, punishments. It came with retribution. So, any transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. So, let's just break that down, those words down. The word transgression means to cross the line willingly. Parents, if you have a kid that says, how far can I go? And you say, this line right here. And you know the kids that you have. They're like... Oh, just right there? That's the line, Dad? Mom, that's the line? That's the line. Okay, now what are you going to do? You know, like that happens. So that's the word transgression, when you are willingly crossing the line. Um, Disobedience, that word means to do nothing when you should do something. So the disobedience word is more passive, where you should be doing a good thing, but you're not doing that good thing. That's disobedience. And in the Old Testament law, when that happened, it was very serious. People were stoned to death if they disobeyed the Old Testament law. Aren't you glad we don't live under that dispensation anymore? Amen? That's good. Um, There were financial penalties and wreckage of lives. and, And God displayed his holiness and his justice and his righteousness in the Old Testament. So the author of Hebrews is building this argument that th- this matters. In the Old Testament, this is a big deal. Very serious. Don't drift. And then he's, he ramps it up even more. He says in verse 3, How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard while well, God, who also bore witness by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, so the author of Hebrews is saying Old Testament, very serious. New Testament, more serious. Well, how's that? Well, it was declared by Jesus himself, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was also followed up by witnesses, the apostles, and all those who saw Jesus die and rise again. They gave witness to it. There's more light being shed about who God is and what he requires of us through Jesus. And then he says that there's signs, wonders, and spiritual gifts in the church. So even within the church, there's all these beautiful evidences of grace in the church that is meant to help everybody see Jesus. So all of a sudden, the, the, the author of Hebrews is saying, look, here's the reality of things. The Old Testament was serious. The New Testament is more serious because it, it funnels everything down to Jesus and what you do with Jesus determines everything about your life. And he says, how are we going to escape if we neglect this thing? The word es- escape is to like run for safety. and you know, You're running into a, a warm house In the middle of an Iowa winter, you're running to safety, God willing, if your heater's working. How are you going to escape a great salvation, greater than the Old Testament, if you're careless with it? The word neglect literally means careless. So the author of Hebrews is saying, church, don't be careless with Jesus. Hold on to him. Don't drift away from him. Don't be careless with him, right? So, as we close, I have to close with a Super Bowl theme to get you ready for Jersey Sunday next week. Okay? I was given this hideous piece of clothing (laughs) by Chris Sayer this morning. I thought your deacons were supposed to serve you and help you grow in Christ. Okay? So, there's a Packer hat. And I also got this from Mary Jane Bryce, you Chiefs fans. Eat your heart out. This is no, literally Mahomes' magic crunch. <laughs> it's a special edition high V cereal. I've been told that this box is worth twenty five dollars, and if any of you have fifty this morning, you can have it. Just kidding. <laughs> I have to take it back to its owner after church. But I said, hey, can I use that as an illustration? So, Aaron Rodgers, all right, um, quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. That's who this illustration is about. But I want you to know that if it's between Rodgers and Mahomes, I'm going Mahomes all day long. All day long, okay? So I hope the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I really do for all of you long-suffering members of our church. I hope hope that happens. But Aaron Rodgers, uh, the, the quarterback for the Packers, was interviewed just this week. By Danica Patrick, the NASCAR driver, and also Aaron's girlfriend. And Aaron Rodgers says that he's leaving Christianity. I didn't know he was in Christianity, but he's leaving it. And Danica interviewed him about his convictions. And Aaron Rodgers was sitting in a love seat, super casual, just having a conversation on a podcast. And he said this, and I quote, he said, what kind of loving, sensitive, omnipotent, omnipresent being wants to condemn most of his beautiful creation to a fiery hell at the end of all of this i watched the video several times this week aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal quarterback if you watch football he is amazing i am a chicago bears fan yeah amen let's go chicago I have watched Aaron Rodgers break my Chicago Bear fan heart twice a year for like the last 10 years of my life. Every time I think the Bears are going to win, Aaron Rodgers threads some impossible needle of a pass through eight defenders to his receiver, and the crowd at Lambeau goes wild, and I'm sitting there wanting to punch my TV. Aaron Rodgers is super careful, surgical with his passes of an inflated pigskin. In his interview on Monday, he was absolutely careless in his theology. And the reason I tell you this story is because I thought it perfectly illustrated exactly what Hebrews is warning against. Don't be casual with Jesus. Aaron, you can be casual talking to your girlfriend, Danica Patrick. You won't be casual when you stand before God. He got 750,000 hits. That was like three days ago. Just a few more than my sermon gets every week. There are realities that surround Aaron Rodgers that are greater than him. He needs to know. And I'm praying for Aaron. I'm I'm praying that he would come to Christ. But the reality is, is there are deep realities about God's grace and justice and heaven and hell. And they find their pinnacle in Jesus. And church, this morning, we need to realize the realities that surround us. Don't drift. We're going to go to communion this morning, and and communion is open to all believers in Christ. We're going to spend 10 minutes just reflecting, thinking about the cross and the resurrection of Jesus for us. So if you're a Christian here this morning, I just want to encourage you as we go back to the, the elements. Hold on tight to Jesus, believer. Don't let go of Christ. Don't drift. Some of you believers have some confessing to do. Maybe you're starting to drift and you know it and you and Jesus need to have a conversation about that. For those of you who don't know Christ, we would encourage you not to take communion. We would encourage you to stay in your chairs and just reflect on what you've heard. For some of you, this is the morning that God wants to save you. He wants to show you for the first time that you need to hold on to Christ. Don't drift past his dock. Grab on to the good news for the first time. Repent of your sins. Ask Jesus to come in and be your Savior, and he'll save you this morning. So I'm going to pray, and then the music will play, and everybody's going to have about 10 minutes just to reflect on what the Lord's doing in your life. Do business with God. You can go back and get your elements, come back to your chair, and just sit and wait and reflect and pray, and then we will partake together. All right, let's, uh, let's close our time in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for... Your word. Lord, thank you for how you're calling us through this passage of Scripture to absolutely realize some things. But we need to hold on to you, Jesus, and we need to not drift. Holy Spirit, help us to see the realities that are coming and that are here right now. Heaven and hell is on the line. Lord, help us to respond to you as we remember, Jesus, your death, your burial, and your resurrection together. God, may this be a great time of remembrance and celebration in Jesus' name. Amen.